0: Hi, I'm Inez, and this is Kathy, and this is XX Will Travel, a podcast for independent women travelers, and today we have a very special guest who is going to talk to us about a very special woman in all our lives. Someone very close to our hearts. (laughs) Yes, Laura Ingalls Wilder. That's not the guest, that's a special woman, (laughs) (laughs) but our guest is uh, Wendy McClure. Hi. Hi. And uh, we're delighted to have Wendy here, not only because she is super nice and delightful, but also because she is a writer and a children's book editor, and she is the author of a book called The Wilder Life, My Adventures in the Lost World of Little House on the Prairie. And we're going to delve into that book and her travels to research this book, but let First, let me say hello, Wendy.
1: Welcome. Hello. Glad to be here. (laughs) Yes, we're glad to have you.
2: Um, And I recently completed a road trip through Missouri um, (laughs) with the sole purpose of visiting the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum in Mansfield, Missouri. So we will also be sharing some of those details.
0: And I just went to the American Writers Museum and saw an exhibit because I was green with envy over Kathy's (laughs) travels and we can talk about that that uh I would say underwhelming experience later it's fine it's fine
2: (laughs) it's no homestead
0: no (laughs) um but let's begin just by just by talking about our obsession with with Laura Ingalls Wilder. like how, how did it begin for you
1: I hadn't read the books in something like 30 years, and I was really kind of afraid to go back to the books. And I think that's because I'm I'm a children's book editor. I was just afraid that these books I loved wouldn't be as good as I remembered. And also, I know they're a little bit problematic, and they're, you know, all, all kinds of things. Like, I read lots of bad historical fiction at, at my job, like in the manuscripts and stuff. And so I'm like, well, you know, what if it's just like that? But then I went back and found myself reading Little House in the Big Woods again. I just had the copy that I actually had grown up reading. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is so great. And then my husband brought home, actually, my boyfriend at the time, um, now my husband, but he brought home um, a box set of the books, the paperbacks. And so I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get around to them, but... Actually, I just started reading them one after another over the course of the summer. I think that was um, 2008. Mm -hmm. And so then I was just like, God, I really want to go to all these places because as a kid, I knew the places were real, but I I never really knew where they were, and I always hoped that... Like when I was traveling with like my parents, we would go camping a lot. That maybe we would just sort of accidentally pass by one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we never did. And so suddenly, I'm like, oh my god, I'm a grown up, and I have money, and you know, I, have, I have, you know, I can rent cars, I can do things, you know, I can do this. And so, and so, you know, I'm like, I want to do this, and I want to write a book about it. So I got to actually, you know, pitch the book, and they said, that's cool, go ahead and do it. And so then I got to spend uh, most of 2009 traveling around and researching. Mm-hmm. It just kind of went from there. Wow. <laughs> what a dream. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you watch the TV show at all growing up? It's funny, not really. Well, I figured this out actually researching the book because I'm like, why didn't I watch the TV show? Um, I sort of knew it existed, but not until after I was kind of past the books you know you know I, I didn't really you know think like oh it's it's this you know it's from the books um and also I figured out and this is again why the internet is so great that it was in the same time slot as WKRP in Cincinnati. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> My family watched, so of course we didn't right. watch Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that explains why like I never got around to seeing it. And so I think I remember as as a kid, maybe one time, like, okay, let me see what this is about. And it was just like it was goofy episode yeah. about like Mrs. Olson starting like a Kentucky Fried Chicken yes. or something really <laughs> weird like that. I'm like. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the same thing, really, you know?
2: (laughs) I remember watching Little House, probably more in syndication, like after school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: See, for me, the TV show, like, just did not exist. When did it run? Was it, like, in the late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you know, I came with my family to the States in eighty six. Yeah, it would have been in syndication. It would have been in syndication, and I think it was just probably never a hit in Peru. (laughs) Who knows? It might might never have been shown in (laughs) Peru until cable
2: came. So for me, it was strictly books. I think concurrent with my TV viewing, my grandma gave me the box set of Little House books. I was probably eight or nine, and inside there is a newspaper clipping because it is a grandma thing to do to send you newspaper clippings <laughs> about the museum opening in Mansfield, Missouri. So I feel like my life has come full circle. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 And I have come to have a sort of a new appreciation of the TV show because, I mean, part of the thing, part of the research I did for the book was like, well, I've got to watch the TV show. Yeah. And I read, like, Melissa Gilbert's bio and found out all kinds of, facts like they were the drinkingest cast and crew apparently ever Michael Landon would have like a cup of wild turkey like on the set <laughs> you know all the time and then they would just they would go through like three cases of beer a day you know it was crazy and then uh Nellie Olson, Alison Armgrim the actress who plays her her memoir is awesome confessions of a prairie bitch and so <laughs> and she is like she is super cool watching it now I know it's not it doesn't really have anything to do with the you know with the, with the book series although the first one like the pilot movie that's kind of worth watching because it's you know it's sort of faithful to the books but it's kind of its own thing and I kind of appreciate it it's in its own kind of like 70s retro yes. you know yeah. <laughs> way too question did you, did you catch, did you
2: catch, like, it's not my favorite episode, it's the weirdest Little House episode, involving the clown rapist.
1: What? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, well, I have heard about that before. I have to watch this. Right, yeah, I'm like, yeah.
0: back up. <laughs> Someone explained the plot of the clown rapist, although it's, I
1: guess it explains itself. It's actually, it's actually a mime rapist. Yeah. yeah oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I can't even, no, I can't even begin to explain no. what it is, but, um. No, because, like, no, the very special episodes are super weird. There's the one where... Albert, you know, like the, you know, after a while they just started collecting kids. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Engels family, mm-hmm. you know, they just extra kids. Albert, and,
2: Jenny, aka
1: Shannon Doherty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so Albert got addicted to morphine. Yes. And um, so then there was a super intense, like two part episode where he had to like kick the habit, and, and there he was... he foamed at the mouth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was there was barfing. There was all <laughs> kinds of stuff episode is called sylvia if you guys want to look but it's also known as the mime rapist episode i don't feel like i can even talk about it it's it's just weird like just look it up online yeah you know and then like the, the plot twist at the end
2: where you're like Aah! look it up watch it okay
1: or <sighs> what about the orangutan episode yes <laughs> the orangutan episode like there was a time, I feel like in the <laughs> late seventies, early eighties, where like orangutans were a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember sensation? International
2: sensation. The series BJ and the Bear yes. about a trucker and his orangutan yes. sidekick, and then Lance Link, where it was orangutans yeah. with people's voices, super like edited in and they were a spy organization and
1: every which way but loose yes uh, with uh Clint Eastwood yes and, and his orangutan buddy and yeah. um so I yeah at one point they were just like, like the producer was like oh, we gotta get it have an orangutan episode <laughs> <laughs> everybody
2: else is doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, I just, I actually, in your book, you even mention the series finale, which involves blowing up yes, the entire yeah, house. Blowing up Walnut, yeah. no, 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 not,
2: not the house, oh, sorry, the entire town, the town, town, down, the yeah. town of Walnut Grove.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. I'm looking at Inez, like, with real intensity <laughs> yeah. here, yeah, like, yeah. more than I, I thought I
0: would oh, yeah. have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, honestly, it's made me want to watch the series yeah. now because it seems to have a real... Uh, a real thing for the extravagant. Oh, yeah. and
2: then the one where Rose gets kidnapped, the movie. Oh yeah. Where Rose gets kidnapped around Christmas. Oh yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on. <laughs> yeah. We could uh, we could go on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so your
0: research entailed a uh, little house on the prairie yeah. TV show <laughs> as well as reading the books and um
1: Things like churning butter. Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I bought a butter churn. And <laughs> um and, and churned some butter and um, it's pretty easy actually. You really don't need a churn. You, yeah. yeah. You could <laughs> you could do it with um some actually, you know, I had some whipping cream I should have brought some <gasps> oh, and should've. put it in a jar and we could have just yeah. shaken it and um yeah, it's it's fun you know. <laughs> do, do you still do it on the regular there's kind of no point mm. in doing it actually just because it just if you have just like regular like supermarket whipping cream and then you do it then it's just gonna taste like just like regular butter mm. so I mean like if you, I guess if you don't have butter and you happen to have whipping cream right yeah it's a cool hack yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're in a butter emergency right. yeah sure. yeah <laughs> but it's like there's nothing there's no um, You know, there's no benefit really to sort of Mm. doing it yourself, Um, unless you wanted to do something. I don't know, like mix in I don't know chives or something like that. But then you can also just do that with regular butter. Right. Yeah. Right. um, I mean, I guess if you had really special cream or something, that you could you could do that, and it might be kind of worth it. You know, but yeah. uh...
2: Or if you were French and you could sell it, like you could inflate the price and say French butter or Amish (laughs) Um, or Irish.
0: Uh, How long, though, did this whole journey take from you deciding to write this book, or I guess even the idea, and then, you know, finishing the manuscript with it?
3: Um,
1: Let's see, I think I, well, I I pitched the book in, I think, fall of 2008, and then I started, um, I started writing some stuff, and then I started traveling, I think. The first trip I took was in March 2009, and... Chris, um, I guess I've been saying my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we lived together. (laughs) But uh, we went to Pepin, Wisconsin, Little House in the Big Woods, Mm -hmm. and that's her birthplace. And then um, I did a solo trip in, I think, May, and that was to the museum in Mansfield, Missouri, where Laura Ingles Wilder and her husband lived pretty much their whole adult life, and it's also where she wrote the books, and it's her house. That same trip, I took... I like a two-and-a-half-hour drive to see the Little House on the Prairie site in Independence, um, Kansas. That was my one solo trip, I think, while I was mm-hmm. working on the book. And then there was a big summer trip where Chris and I went to, we drove to Walnut Grove, Minnesota, then just met South Dakota. So those were on the banks of Plum Creek in Walnut Grove, also TV show, obviously. And then um, just met South Dakota is where... Um, I think, like, the last half of the book series takes place. So, like, where the long winter is, mm-hmm. these happy golden years. It's the little town on the prairie.
2: Yeah, and that's actually where, was it, Carrie and Grace ended up? Yeah, in South yeah. Dakota. That's where they lived their
1: lives. There's lots of, there are major stops in the whole Laura pilgrimage, but there's also, like, minor stops, too. And there's some that you just, you know, like, well, we might as well go there. And so one was Spring Green, Missouri, which is where, like, Laura and Almanzo lived for, like, a year after where Almanzo's parents lived and so um, after things kind of went to hell did you read the first four years I mean, Yeah, the you know, like, house burns down and everything sucks yeah. yes you know the kind of like it's not really part of the series but it's sort of like the last yeah. book and it's when they get married and everything sucks
2: and those locusts those crazy
1: locusts yeah Yeah. yeah is, um, is that no, no that's ahead. that's uh, on the banks of Plum Creek yes but they have hail um there's always something to surround the wheat yeah, yeah. right coming <laughs> from the sky yeah <laughs> like you should always be suspicious when they grow wheat and they're like oh my god this wheat looks really good <laughs> because you're like oh no something's gonna happen <laughs> right. to the wheat Harbinger so. of disaster <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after everything went to hell um they went they actually went to Florida too. yeah I saw that did, yeah did you go to Florida I didn't go to Florida but there is actually now there's like there's a plaque there you mm-hmm. know there's a dude going around putting up plaques every Everywhere, like everywhere where um, an Ingalls or Wilder family member spent more than you know a month there, you know, <laughs> or like their birthplace, you know, just everywhere. So we, okay, so we went there, and then the last stop on this big trip was also Burr Oak, Iowa, which is kind of like the Lost Little House site. Mm-hmm. It was where the family lived between the books on the banks of Plum Creek and by the shores of Silver Lake. They she just kind of left this period of her life out of the books because it was kind of sad, and actually they weren't. Always going west, Mm. and they weren't always just sort of happy farmers. This is actually kind of this weird, kind of like seedy time in their life where they had to like work on running a hotel, and they lived in this hotel. And um, so it's this old town in Baroque, Iowa. And so the hotel that they worked in is still there. So we went to see that, too. Which Um, they kind
2: of integrated that into the TV show, too. That's right, yeah. Didn't they run a hotel or work at a hotel? That was in
1: Mankato.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting.
0: I understand why Laura Ingalls Wilder, the author, didn't include it. You know, in the sense, as you said, because it was seedy. It wasn't them moving forward. It would go against, you know, this narrative she was creating. But me as an adult, I want to hear about the seedy hotel yes. in Barlow, Iowa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I was like, I was super excited to to visit it actually. Yeah, And, um, and actually, that was really cool because um, I don't think in all you know my my experience of first being a kid and going to all these sort of historical sites with my parents, you know, you know, when you grow up in the Midwest, you see you see a lot of log cabins, you know, <laughs> um, and you see a lot of you know like you know, like nice houses. But you sort of never really sort of see what, like, a hotel and what travel was yeah. like. And mm-hmm. so um, I sort of realized it was really kind of hardcore to to stay in one of these hotels. I mean, when you look go through this house, it's, it's a big house and everything looks kind of nice. But then they tell you that, you know, they have these beds and people would sleep something like five or six to a bed and, like, across the bed, like, not even, like, in bed. Right. And so that whole thing about, like, women not traveling alone you realize is like okay that's not just like a weird thing like that was kind of like yeah i i kind of get it now um mm -hmm. and so seeing that and i don't know that part was really cool because you saw it was this little kind of ghost town this town where they had lived had been a big town on like the, the wagon trails but then when the railroads came through um they didn't The railroad didn't go through the town so it became it kind of dried up Mm. and so it was kind of kind of on hard times when they started running the hotel there and you know so obviously like yeah that was a great idea but yeah um... yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, pa was full of them full of great
1: ideas
2: (laughs)
0: Uh, Kathy where did you go on your pilgrimage
2: it was for me and my friend Shannon it was our birthdays and our friend Crystal is in St. Louis Shannon is from Nashville so we always meet in St. Louis because it's equidistant between Nashville and Chicago and so Shannon and I are real geeky and had wanted to go see this, this house in Mansfield, Missouri for a long time. Yeah. And Krista is our laid back friend who sits in the car and just goes where we take her. Yeah. <laughs> but, so we, we journeyed to Mansfield, Missouri, which is, I think, like three and a half hours south of St. Louis. It is in the Ozarks and Krista works at the St. Louis Art Museum so she was very intrigued by museumy stuff like preservation techniques and she said the museum actually like was really yeah. did a good job of preserving the stuff and i guess you Wendy had mentioned that that is a new museum mm-hmm. since yeah. you visited yeah. yeah it's huge it is a huge impressive museum and we spent hours there we were the last ones to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> were we, you
2: the first yeah. to arrive, too? Yeah. <laughs> Almost. We we walked in, and it was a teenage girl behind the counter where we bought tickets reading um, reading on the shores of Silver Lake. Uh, and so we, we were like, did they make her do that? <laughs> we went crazy in the gift shop. And then there are two houses there. There's the Stone Cottage, and then there's Laura's house. Oh, yeah, and Mansfield is in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is like in the middle of nowhere. It's very beautiful out there. And we actually ended up driving an hour and a half to stay. we We went up further north to to stay at Lake in Lake Ozark, Ooh. which you know, not a lot going on there either. <laughs> um, <laughs> but very pretty. And then we ended up going to Jefferson City. Which was really depressing because I I love state capitals so much. And mm. <laughs> we toured the state capitol, which also has a lovely museum. It's a beautiful capital too, and learned, speaking of log cabins, <laughs> that because Saint Louis um, was founded by the French, the French filled their log cabins with all the planks vertically. Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So if you go down down further south of Illinois, you will see like vertical planked log cabins. So that was my journey to Mansfield, and it was delightful, and I wish we could play the theme song, which we can't (laughs) because of copyright issues. Maybe you'll be treated to a a rendition later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So of the locations you went to, Wendy, which ones did really make you feel like you were in Laura world, as you like to say it? And which ones made you feel like... You were wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: you know, none of the places really felt like a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they all had their moments. There were there were all these points where it was like, yes, oh, I feel it. You know, I know, <laughs> and, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that was the thing. I mean, I was really really surprised to how much um, a lot of these places still, you know. Had, they really haven't changed that much. Part of it's because, like you said, you know these places are kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to really just pass by one,
2: <laughs> right? You know, right. On the you, way to
1: something something else. You, you know? have
2: to make an effort to get to these places. places. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: There is not a lot of danger of like a mall encroaching on you know these these places. You really have to go there, and, and the landscape is still really the same. You know, all the the natural features are still there. So. So pretty much any place I went, you know, there you could just pick a time to sort of like look around and like, oh, yeah, you know, or find like mm-hmm. a quiet moment and like, you know, a little replica cabin and be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, at the same time, there were, you know, it wasn't all great sometimes. I mean, I remember there was there was sort of bad weather in when I went to Kansas and it was a really long drive and it was like kind of pouring down rain and... And that one, I don't know if I felt it as much because I, I, think it's also because I know that book actually is the most sort of fictionalized of all the mm-hmm. books because it's not really based on her memories. That all happened when she was actually really, really young. So, like, I kind of know it's just sort of, sort of a book, and so it's I don't, I didn't really sort of feel as much the sense of like Laura world, you know? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I read about this in the book a little bit when, um, like, on our second day when we were in Dismet, South Dakota. Like I loved it. I mean I really there were times where, you know, you're looking around and it's like, yes, you know, and then, you know, the cabin is over here and or the the shanty is over here and there's a there's a great place where we were actually staying called Ingalls Homestead where they take actually it's built on the original homestead land and it's kind of it's the closest thing to like Aurora Engels Wilder theme park um, <laughs> in the sense that you've got, I mean, you get—you have wagon rides there, you've got a schoolhouse there, you can stay in these little sort of covered wagons, like these little sheep herder wagons, <laughs> and they, you can camp there. And then they have like a really faithful-looking replica of the of the shanty where they had their homestead. There's also they also have like a real shanty from back in the day. They you know that's still preserved. And then they have like a dugout. So they just they have all the stuff. you right. know? <laughs> So it was really cool. And there was a point when we were camping out in the um, in the weird covered wagon thing, where Chris was reading the books and he was reading I think by the shores of Silver Lake, and he was open you know, to a spread in the book that's, you know, that shows where they're at the railroad camp, which is right where we were in South Dakota. And he was like, look at this. And he just, there's this spread of, you know, illustrations by Garth Williams. And he just sort of like puts the book down and it just looks like this, like the same place, you know? And so it was like, oh my God, that's yeah. really, that's really cool. That's magical. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and but then by like, on the second day, there was just this weird feeling like we actually left a little bit early and I can't really, I try to sort of go into, like, articulate why in the book, and I'm not even really sure, but it got to be just sort of, I I think I had done everything I mm-hmm. wanted to do, and I realized, like, I felt like I was just still, like, chasing a certain kind of experience, and I had this funny feeling. I'm like, I'm not going to get this, and after a while, I began to sort of feel like the rest of me that wasn't, like, a Laura fan wasn't really crazy about, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, the place. I'm like, I just want to be you know, back in, you know, like a hotel room somewhere, or it wasn't even really necessarily like a comfort thing, but I'm like, this is not, this is not me. This is, mm-hmm. I mean, I I love this place, but I'm not Laura Liz Wilder. Like, I realized that I have reached my limit. Yeah, it's true. So when I was at the museum in Mansfield,
2: I was super geeked over two things. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta... One was that they had the slates mm-hmm. that Laura and Mary wrote on, and I was always like, When I was a kid, I wanted a slate because of those books. Um, And number two was Paws Fiddle. Yes. That they only bring out once a year to play at the Laura Ingalls Wilder Festival. Yeah, yeah. I bought a t-shirt with Paws Fiddle on it. So what were some of the things that you were excited to see
1: in real life? Oh, definitely the fiddle. Okay, so did they have, like, do they still have, like, so much stuff? Do they still have, like, Almanzo's, like, license plates? And they just had yes. so much random stuff. Yes, like it's all it's all the all the stuff is basically in Mansfield, like roses, yeah.
2: pen, and yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. like minutia. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was super excited to see the Surveyor's House, which is in Desmet. That's the house where they they stay one winter. And when I was reading it as a kid, it sounded like you know, you know, the biggest house. It sounded like so amazing, and there's like this, you know they open this door and there's this whole pantry full of stuff and you know there's like a, there's an upstairs they hardly ever live any place where there's even an upstairs mm-hmm. and so I'm like oh my god it's huge and then when you go you realize it's actually really kind of small but I was like I still want to see it mm-hmm. um, Oh, at the dugout site um, in Walnut Grove. Obviously, it caved in years ago, but you can still kind of see. it's. You can actually go to Plum Creek. You can wade in Plum Creek, and lots what? of people do. And <laughs> and, um, and then there's just a little sort of, they even have it sort of roped off, so they know sort of what size it was. Um, just a little depression in the ground, and there's a big sign. And so everyone sort of goes over, and you just, I mean, you're just looking at a, you know, it's not even, even a pit. It's just, you know, just this tiny little um little dip in the ground and yeah. but still I'm like, oh I have to see this. <laughs> the dugout. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. That was of all the kinds of
0: houses that they describe in the series, the dugout is the one that most blew my mind as yeah. a kid. Because oh, yeah. am I understanding this correctly? This might be eight year old Inez taking yeah. things too literally. But was it like literally a dugout in the earth that or not in yeah. the earth that they kind of
1: caved into? Like yeah. how do people live that way? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, like, I, I mean, don't, don't even know yeah, it was built out of. I mean, I think there's some sod construction. You could actually make bricks out of sod. Okay. But, but then a lot of it was actually just sort of just digging to the ground and just, just sort of cutting out of space. And so, I mean, I guess it was because it was, it was warm. And then if you're like out in the prairie and there aren't a lot of trees, it's kind of like your best bet when you're just starting yeah. out. And actually, what was really cool is. Minnesota, right by the site in Walnut Grove, maybe about a half hour away, there was a a place where you could go see a sod house and a dugout and and it was just this these folks who had a farm and they were just kind of hobbyists and they found an old sod cutter they're like, Hey, let's build this thing And apparently years ago you used to be able to stay in the sod house. What? It was like a B and B thing. Oh. I know and I'm like, Oh you know, but I guess that they were saying it didn't really work out because you know if you would stayed there, but then you'd have tourists going through. It was kind of awkward because you know you'd be like waking up in the morning and you know. <laughs> <right>? oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was super cool to see. And then the the sod house was super cute. It was kind of kind of like fairy tale cute, you know. But then the dugout was kind of grim. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, there's actually, there's a drawing, and I'm not sure, I think it might have been Laura that did it, a drawing in the Mansfield Museum. The, talk about, like, ephemera. And it's a drawing of trees, because Grace had lived on the prairie so long, she did not know what a tree looked like. Whoa. Yeah. So Laura had to draw one for her.
1: Oh, God, I forgot that was in the museum. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't
2: know. laughs> we were there a long time. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to both of you about is, as you guys have mentioned, these are, you know, tiny towns kind of lost in the middle of nowhere and not really places that most people would venture to because they wouldn't really have a reason, which also means that you probably are talking to people that live in those locations or that travel to those locations that I, I don't know, I guess I'm just saying like what kind of people are attracted to these places or what kind of people live in these places? I guess in... In this year of our lore twenty (laughs) seventeen, which has been crazy. (laughs) Like what have you guys discovered about the US by traveling to places like these and also, you know, about by talking to people who live in places like these?
2: At least in my experience, it was a lot of grandparents and grandkids who would, would be like, Oh, I came here when I was a little kid and now I have to take I would like to take my grandkid. I talked to one of the grandmothers and her, like, nine-year-old granddaughter, and they actually, they live in Springfield, which is a bigger town than Mansfield, and they made the trek, and in Laura's living room, there is a big, beautiful portrait of Rose, who who lived in New York. Like, Rose was very worldly. I did a whole presentation on Rose, I can... Oh yeah, yeah. She was she like traveled all over the world. She right before she died, she was a, a war reporter in Vietnam. It's she's like crazy where she came from. Anyway, there's a big portrait of Rose, and the grandma was like, "Hey, I would really like to know more about this lady." And I turned around and I was like, "Well, <laughs> let me tell you, ma'am." And I was t- I was talking about all this stuff, and Rose actually wrote a book that became the foundation of libertarianism. (laughs) And this man was walking by, another grandpa, with his grandkids. And he said, he was like, oh, Rose, libertarianism. I guess I won't hold that against her. And I was like, that's weird, because I expected everyone here to be very conservative and think along the lines of libertarianism. (laughs) And then um, I was like, yeah, okay. And later, we were at, there are two houses there. Um, We were in the second house, and he came back to find me. Taps me on the shoulder and he had his phone and it's open to a definition of libertarianism. And he goes, Well, that's conservative. I can stand behind that. She wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is when I put on my best smile and I said, Oh, and turned around and walked away. Because <laughs> you don't, you know, it's just such a harmonious experience. I was like, I don't want to wreck it. Right, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are my experiences. I can't speak to people that live there. I just think they're like small town folks, you know. Like any small town you come to in the US, they just happened to live in the middle of Laura land and uh Laura was also conservative. Laura was really conservative. She did not like the New Deal. She felt like <laughs> no. no, she felt like Franklin Roosevelt let them down. And she and Almanzo had such they had a super hard life. Like they were pretty much broke yep. until Rose kind of got her to write down her stories and got them published and marketed so um they yeah they it's a conservative region let's leave it at that
1: (laughs) well it's my understanding with Mansfield too that the locals were um really and maybe still are to this day who knows like kind of conflicted about Rose because Mm -hmm. um Rose was sort of you know yeah she was she was the one who left the small town she I mean she hated small town life and she's like, I can't wait to get away from here. And so she, you know, traveled all over the place. But then she she came home for a while, too. And so they were sort of like, I don't know about her and her big town ways. And, <laughs> um, and um, so there was, you know, I think there was definitely like lots of gossip and stuff so was there at the museum was there a big section devoted to rose though there was not there was her portrait and there was her high school diploma because she
2: actually went to new orleans to graduate high school because high school stopped I think maybe at eighth or ninth grade, and Rose went to New Orleans to live with Almanzo's sister, Aunt Eliza. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to go graduate high school. And I was like, Aunt Eliza went to New Orleans, and um, she got divorced. So like, I can't imagine that
1: endeared her. Oh to yeah. Oh locals. no, she's a divorced lady. And then she also would have some of her big city friends. You know, one of whom you know might have been maybe more than just a friend, mm-hmm. and maybe she also had a thing with a lady in town. You know, all kinds of. There's all kinds of speculation. Yeah. yeah. So
2: Rose got the heck out of Dodge, which yeah. I could see would, right, yeah. would ingrain. All, and she went to like places like, she went to Russia, she went to Moscow to to see if she, how communism was and decided she didn't like it. I don't know. She just was ahead of her time in yeah. many ways.
1: Well, it's interesting that there's not as much about Rose in the museum now, because when I went and saw the old version of the museum, there was kind of a section devoted to Rose and it had like, lot of her books. It had her typewriters. I think it had like her desk. Yes, that's still there. Oh, that is still there. Okay, Uh but it was so funny because people would, you know, you had lots of it was lots of families going to see the uh, the museums, and actually all the places I went, lots and lots of families with kids, and then they would go over to the Rose section and they would be kind of confused. They're like, huh. Oh, here's a typewriter. Like they sort of didn't know what to what to do, and a lot of people actually sort of don't know what to do with Rose in the whole Laura mm-hmm. thing, just because she has such a weird sort of disputed role. As you know, she's she was really like a co collaborator on the books. I mean, she Laura couldn't have written the books without her, but also Rose couldn't have written the books on her own. So right. I mean,
2: right? And Rose Rose had the, like the publishing connections yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah so, and then, um, there was a lot of tension between them too, between Laura oh, and yeah. Rose when they were writing the books.
1: well, and the whole thing with um when you go to Mansfield, so there's two houses there's the there's the big farmhouse that. Laura and Almanzo built by themselves by hand and it's kind of arts and craftsy. It's super cool. Mm-hmm. And everything is also kind of like scaled to Laura, like the kitchen. It's, so it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, was, she was a wee lady. Um, <laughs> and actually Almanzo was kind of short too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but hot. She well, like, had pictures. <laughs> yeah. So I, think, I think what was Laura was like what?
2: Like four eleven? Something like something? that. Yeah. And, yeah,
1: and yeah. Almanzo was not much taller than she yeah. was. So then the rock house, this other house, which is built from a Sears blueprint. Like when Rose moved home, she was like, she was like, Mom and Dad, I'm gonna build you a nice house. And they're like, Well, we have this house that we built. They're like, No, she's like, No, I'm gonna build you a really nice house. And, you know, you guys are gonna be grateful. And she always had this feeling that she, weird sense of obligation to her parents, even though she also like resented it too. <laughs> yeah. Which was so weird. And so she had this house built. And they're just like, okay, mom and dad, here's the house. And they're like, uh, thanks. You well, know. <laughs> and then Rose always also had crazy
2: ideas, like electricity and indoor plumbing too. What? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Those big
1: city ways. I know. Yeah.
2: The but, devil's work, I tell you. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I found out while doing the tour there, they're like, well, it had a nice bathroom, but Alman's always still preferred the outhouse. house. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they actually. The stone cottage was the one with electricity and plumbing
1: and Laura and Armando lived there for a while but then they went back. After yeah cuz then Rose and her all her weird sort of city friends were living in the farmhouse. And I think the locals that's I think also why the locals like kind of resented her too, mm-hmm. you know. But um and I guess they would have like cocktail parties there and you know. Well, I mean, which sounds fine to me. Right. But...
2: <laughs> exactly. And um yeah, the the cottage, the farmhouse is like Still in great shape. In fact, my friend Krista, who's the museum conservator, (laughs) made some comments about 3,000 people a summer walking on original linoleum. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah,
0: so. Uh, That's a question for the both of you. I mean, was your friend Krista the one who wasn't too into Laura Ingalls, right? And you brought along Chris, who I'm assuming wasn't, the biggest Laura Ingalls Wilder connoisseur yeah. until he met you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how did they approach this, or what did they think about all these Laura Ingalls yeah. Wilder travels? Well, Chris actually, he read
1: the books, okay. or like he started reading the books, like for the sake of going, which was really cool, and I'm really, really grateful for that. So, it was kind of cool to get his his perspective of that. Um, and I mean, mostly he was going to be supportive, but yeah, it was sort of interesting because he, you know. Um, was well, he was new to the books. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think, yeah, <laughs> it was a while ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Krista,
2: Krista really liked the museum aspect, and and my friend Shannon and I are like,
1: We won you over, right? And she was like, ah, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I, I think it really does. It's those books are not too hard to read, so I think if you drag someone along, like it, you can really. I think it really does help to read the books. Yes, and, um, I mean if someone hasn't read the books, fine. You know, I want to say I wanted to go back a little bit to yeah. talking about the people that oh, yeah. I saw on the on the various trips because it, yeah, it was a lot of families with kids and also you know a lot obviously a lot of small towns, but there were like interesting things that I hadn't expected, especially with Walnut Grove, Minnesota, because that's a surprisingly diverse community. They have like an Asian grocery store there, and they had a big influx of um, Hmong immigrants from Asia. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was a big thing in Minnesota in the, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. And then some families eventually started moving out to Walnut Grove, and it wound up being kind of a cool thing because... Walnut Grove was kind of on the verge of sort of almost dying, like their Mm -hmm. schools were going to shut down because the population was so low and kids were going to have to be bused to other places. But then this, this influx kept the schools open and now they're, you know, just kind of part of the community. And when I went to the... The pageant festival, when I did, when we did our big sort of summer trip, it was during, it was during pageant season, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is uh, both Walnut Grove and DeSmet have these, uh, would have these weekend nightly pageants where... They put on um, sort of a big production um, of something from the books, and Walnut Groves is like super cool, and you know they've got pyrotechnics and like live animals and stuff like that. And so it's a big deal when they have these when they have these pageants, and so, so they have these kind of weekend festivals. Mm-hmm. And so we were there for for one of these. And you could get like like uh, like sesame balls and bubble tea and you know other things there like, like yeah. I'm like hey, this that. is really kind of good food and you know um, and the and the cast um, of the at the you know the pageant was really diverse and and it was also that one was also really cool too because they realized you know it's actually a part of their town's history so the the pageant, the sort of the script of the pageant, they kind of expanded on the original, like on the Banks of Plum Creek story mm-hmm. and they included like families that had been like families that had lived in the town at the time and that had been friends with the Ingalls family. And mm-hmm. so when you go through the program they would have they list all the different families who lived there and what happened to them and they were always doing things like falling down wells and being struck (laughs) by lightning and you know stuff like that but it was still like here we're honoring these real people who lived in this town you know like 150 years ago and so that was really cool um but it's, it's, and it's definitely heartland stuff. And, you know, I mean, there were some times where, we're like, oh, my God, this is, like, the whitest thing ever, you <laughs> know, <laughs> that we're doing. But but actually, it, it sort of wasn't. There were, like I said, in, like, in the cast of... They had lots of kids in the cast, and so they had um, people of color and Hmong kids. And so that was, you know, and everyone likes to dress up and wear the sun bonnets and yeah <laughs> <Yes>. for sure <laughs> which
2: was interesting because i actually posted a picture we were talking about this before i posted a picture on our instagram from the trip and we have a really diverse audience and we love it that way and i was curious as as the feedback the type of feedback we'd get from me doing a laura Ingalls road trip which you know it's very, very white, as you said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but we had all types of women commenting about how they loved the book, and maybe part of it is because there wasn't a lot for little girls to read back then, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um it was that was really interesting to me, yeah, well, I've been thinking about yeah. why I
0: gravitated so much to the books when I was a kid, because well, one, I read everything in sight, and so I would see all these you know classmates of mine reading the yeah. books. But let's face it like as this like Peruvian little girl in the states. <laughs> yeah. It's not like my parents were pushing it on me. I had no idea what prairie life was like and I really really took to them. And honestly, I think for me it was the fact that Laura was a little girl who always kept moving, which yeah. was my experience. Mm-hmm. I was always moving and at the time that was really strange to find other kids that moved around a lot. Like usually everyone stayed in their place. And I think that's what that's what I got out of it, because even though I did, like, hearing the descriptions, you know, of some prairie stuff, I've always also been a very, like, city person, even as a kid, which is why my favorite books were the ones where, like, they're more closer to civilization, like Little Town on the Prairie yeah, yeah. and um, on the shores of Silver Lake. Like, the earlier ones I could kind of do without because they're so isolated. Yeah. It's like, once they have townsfolk, I'm like, I'm I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think for me it was that, because it's yeah. like, oh, my God, I have... Finally, there's, like a girl in a book that just ha- moves every three years, like I do,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> And I think maybe that sense of displacement is what, like, some, maybe some of these, like, well, I don't know, well, the Hmong community yeah. has a special connection, the Hmong community. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's why there's more of a diverse fan base than yeah. than we'd expect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's well, my perspective. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: I think it's, I feel like they're a great combination of, safety and security with the just because they were such a tight family unit but at the same time they went through stuff and then there was also plenty of adventure for for a girl and it was never you never felt like it was compromised anyway you were never like oh if only she was a boy you know you know it was just sort of like oh she was a girl and she and she got dirty and she rolled off haystacks and Poke badgers with sticks and almost ran in the tree, you know, the the creek and, you know, all kinds of things. (laughs) Tossed around the pig bladder. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have a a passage in your book that, and you can explain it, you know, probably better than I can, but where you say that you don't believe Laura was a tomboy. Yeah. That she just happened to be a girl living in her circumstances, which I thought was really spot on um, in the sense that this idea I think this dichotomy we have where you're either a girly girl or a tomboy leaves yeah. like so many women out because most most women I know yeah. were a little tomboyish in some things a little girly girl in others and whatever you know and I think with Laura you you kind of see that right Yeah
1: I didn't get the sense that she wanted to be a boy or anything like that I mean I don't know that's not necessarily what being a tomboy is all yeah. about but Yeah but I liked it because she got to wear long dresses but she also got to get Grubby, right, <laughs> right,
2: Right. and uh, the like—the sense of frustration, like on Sundays when all you could do was embroider.
1: Yeah, right. it, like,
2: <laughs> she did not fit into that mold, and I was like, "Me neither." Yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, and the only book I didn't read in the series is the one that has the uncracked spine in my box set
1: is Farmer Boy Farmer Boy okay so you are you are a I feel like okay in my (laughs) survey of Laura fans there are there are Almanzonians (laughs) and non Almanzonians Um, so you are a non Almanzonian I, get, um, I guess so. I
2: like the romance. Like I, love, oh, yeah, yeah. I loved when they were courting okay. and when they would go on the sleigh with their yeah, friends, yeah. including Cap Garland, who is also very handsome in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's pretty dreamy.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm going yeah. to need to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
1: Well, yeah, because Farmer Boy is... It's such a different book. and so But there are lots of people who that love, love, love Farmer Boy. And Farmer Boy is kind of a relief when you're reading the series mm-hmm. because... Especially if you if you actually sort of read it in order, I think it comes like the sec- third or fourth book or something, mm-hmm. because it's a break from all the um, like just eating like corn corn Dodgers with molasses that, <laughs> that Jack, the Eagles, yeah, Johnny the, cakes, yeah, the Ingles <laughs> family you know does, and then they but they live. You know, it's it's his family in upstate New York and his childhood, and they live really comfortably, and that's also where all the great food is. Oh, yeah, so um, and so there's there is this book called the the Little House Cookbook that came out in the '70s, and actually one of the things that like I'm one of the great benefits of having written this book is I got to meet Barbara Walker, who wrote the Little House Cookbook. Wow, I know, and I'm like super excited. She's super cool. But that cookbook would not be anything at all without Farmer Boy, um, like all the good recipes, like apples and onions, and all the good like sort of poultry recipes. Like it would be really, really a sad cookbook yeah. if it was just the Ingalls family foods. Then there's there's so many descriptions of you know like Almanzo just eating like huge stacks of pancakes and and you know there's a description where he says something like he could taste the food in every corner of his mouth. Oh. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, how can you do that? I tried doing that. You know? And actually, my very last sort of official sort of researchy trip was to um, upstate New York to see the Farmer Boy house. Um, so we had been, you know, we had both like met up in New York City. And then we um, we flew to Burlington, Vermont, which is a gorgeous little town. Yeah. And then we, we drove, from there it was like maybe something like 2 hours to um the farmer boy site. So it's really like kind of not in the same sort of realm at all. It's kind of like off the again, off the beaten path. But of all the the home sites, it's the only one from the books that's still standing on its original foundation. Huh. And also it's I think probably like the most well preserved of all the sites because they think they bought they finally actually bought the house in the like late 70s or early 80s and they were able to really do like a proper like archaeological study and so and it's a nice house it's like this really nice farmhouse it's the most sort of like historically accurate you know like if you really want to see like all the stuff like all the weird stuff that they used to cook and and really get a sense of like that way of life then farmer boy house is for you <laughs> oh yeah. i'm gonna
2: have to revisit that yeah I think. yeah yeah <laughs>
1: And you know and there were these they had these big barns and so they reconstructed the barns and You know, like I think if you're really into horses, too, Farmer Boy is a cool book, too. Yeah, and and who wasn't into horses? (laughs) I know,
2: as a a young lady. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I didn't mind it as much as a kid. Was there a big state fair scene that might have been? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just like the idea that they were working towards the
1: state fair. (laughs) They had a goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, he gets a little pig. Yeah, and then then there's a scene where he gives like they're they're making candy. They're making like taffy, and they like they make ice cream again. Like it's the food. Yeah. And then they accidentally, or they give some of the pig, like, some candy, but then, like, the pig's mouth gets, like, shut, you know? <laughs> and it's really unhappy so they have to yeah. down the pig. And it's really weird.
0: Actually, random question, but this reminds me. There probably isn't, but is there any picture, portrait, or painting of Jack, the Brindle Bulldog? <gasps> Because I have a brindle bulldog. Oh, a Western seen... brindle bulldog. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and now oh I really want to see that.
1: <laughs> Nobody's really quite sure about whether Jack was like an English bulldog or, oh, okay. or what kind of bulldog he was. But no, there isn't. And also, okay... Real talk here. <laughs> um, do you know what happened to Jack the Brindle bulldog? Oh my guys, I'm about to start no no crying. no. no what no. happened? Well, I mean, eventually he went to the Happy Hunting Grounds. Yes, but, <laughs> um, actually, he was he was traded <gasps> with the horses um, ah. after they left Kansas he actually didn't go go with them. They 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 had other dogs. Laura was a dog lover. So like she was super into dogs. Yeah. So I think, you know, she just kind of combined all the dogs into into Jack, but but it was apparently it was a good thing because Jack wanted to be with he wanted to be with the horses. I've had to explain this to kids actually. when I do events, you know, because so, <laughs> you know, like he yeah. his... <laughs> like explained it to me. does that make sense? Then no, just get yeah. No, his his job was was he was like trained with the horses, you uh-huh. know, and so. His job was to sort of keep the horses in line. So the horses were his friends. That's, that's what I say to the kids. So it's like, so, you know, when Padre had the horses, here's Jack. Jack goes, Jack goes along yeah. with him. So, well, so it sounds heartless, but, you know.
2: It was really best for Jack. Yeah. You know, was, I know. Yeah. At least he
0: got to keep his friends guys. I know. <laughs> but there, I think there
1: is somewhere, I saw a blurry picture once of a dog that Laura had that they think Jack was based on. Okay. And it's some sort of bulldoggy. <laughs> dog okay. so <laughs> but he was not
2: a bulldog in the series
1: no. no really what was he he was a mutt
2: kind of he was
1: kind of like a sheep doggy kind of thing ah. yeah um, there was also like another little house in the prairie there was a disney miniseries what yes which is more a little bit more historically accurate but maybe a little jesus-y anyway um <laughs> and then they had that dog was i don't know it was some sort of weird cattle dog or something like that so um so i was like just, Get us a bulldog, forbidden. right? Right. <laughs> That's I what guess, the audience
0: wants. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the audience being Inez.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. So now that we now that we've debunked a myth of Jack the Brindle Bulldog, yeah. in your travels, what's the biggest Laura myth
1: that was debunked for you,
0: or how did your view of Laura shift?
1: Well, a lot of it in terms of just the space, you know, just. Like I was saying how the the surveyor's house in the book seemed like this huge house, and then you go in and it's tiny. The big main room is like you know the whole house is maybe like the size of that room, you know mm-hmm. um pointing to this room that you can't see, can't see <laughs> my, sorry my living room, which is not super spacious, yeah, yeah yeah, think of that with like a like a pantry, a lean to and then an upstairs, and then that's it. And then, like, the dugout, I mean, they, they built, like, a replica of of the dugout, and you went in it, and that's, like, a freight elevator. I oh mean, my it's, gosh. like, that's, you know, like, I can't believe a whole family yeah. lived in this. So that definitely was, was a big sort of realignment. But also, like, I realized, and I think part of this was research, too, realizing that they didn't really necessarily have a better life when they went out west. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of had it really good in, in Pepin, Wisconsin, and when they were in Little House in the Big Woods, and they had this idea, there was this idea that, like, oh, they're going out west, they're going to have their own land, they're going to have a, you know, bet with the government and, mm-hmm. and homestead, and they're going to have this free land, it's all going to be great. And it kind of wasn't. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that you know they they were out where um, they depended on the railroads, and everyone was really, really hugely kind of misinformed, or they had this huge misconception of of how the climate was like for for agriculture, for farming. Everyone was. Had the idea that it was going to be really, really great for farming, and they sort of had no idea that all their farming methods that they used back east just did not work out there. Mm-hmm. They never really kind of, kind of made it. I mean, they they proved up on their homestead claim, but then after Lauren and Al-Lanzo got married, Ma and Pa and the remaining siblings they moved to town. They just um, they built a house in town, and they'd had it with farming mm-hmm. and. So that was definitely kind of kind of busted, and it was sort of it was interesting i mean i I wouldn't say it was depressing, but you know that was a big sort of sobering moment because I think we have so much sort of invested in that idea that like oh, they didn't go west, and also they didn't really go west all the time there was There was some backtracking they were in Wisconsin, then they moved to Kansas, then they moved back to Wisconsin, then they moved to Minnesota, then they moved back to Iowa. And then they moved back to Minnesota. There was a lot of back and forth and yeah. and then you find out that they didn't always live by live on their own. They weren't always, you know, living independently. They had to maybe depend on others a lot more. Which isn't a big deal, but that was kind of the the big narrative that that Laura and Rose kind of put forth in the books. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Kathy? Did anything change after this trip?
1: Um, only my love for Laura,
2: <laughs> which increased. <Which>, yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so what's your biggest, I'm sorry, not your biggest, what's your favorite book in the series?
1: Um, I think it's By the Shores of Silver Lake, oh, which them. is, yeah, yeah. And, well, it's, okay, that's good, because like, I kind of feel like it's almost, it's sort of nobody's favorite, because, <laughs> because Jack dies right oh, away, yeah. and, um, and like, well, it's a big wallop when you first start that book because like Mary's blind and everyone's sick and then Jack dies and and everything what I like it is like everything in the first part of the the series gets kind of like turned up on its end and just sort of like okay we're starting over we're going someplace else and and I feel like it's the sort of kind of like the wildest one. Mm. It's when like Laura and her her crazy cousin like ride the wild ponies and the house and then the town is being built and and I feel like it's the most sort of like wild westy one and so I kind of dig it for that and it's also like kind of like the teenage book and yeah, it's just super cool. And then this is I feel like this is blasphemy but <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of these happy golden years.
2: Oh, oh, I... That is my favorite. Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead. All right. Um, Um, The debate begins now. I mean, it's fine. I will say the whole thing with Mrs. Brewster and the knife, and when they have to... When she has to teach school out in the middle of nowhere in the cold shanty, and... They've got the crazy frontier wife who hates her and stuff like that. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's—I feel like it's, they're just sort of biding their time for when Lauren L. will get get together. I don't know. Every time I sort of reread it, there's there's more sort of proto-libertarian speechifying. <laughs> oh, well, I I have to reread it then, yeah, because
2: I bet that would be more apparent to me. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so funny because like once you start as an adult, once you start sort of looking for it, like any time. Mr. Edwards who was in Little House on the Prairie and legit he was a friend of theirs when you know they lived in Kansas but they didn't see him after that in real life but they kind of stick him have him show up like throughout the books. They like, Oh, he's sort of stopping through, you know, so they sort of have him show up and every time he does, like, a libertarian speech comes out. Of time. So, <laughs> you know, he's like this little mouthpiece. They're like, oh, but here's Mr. Mr. Edwards Rose is like, let me tweak this a little
2: bit for you Bob. Yeah, yeah. And he's like,
1: How's it going? You
2: know? That dad gad government, you know, <laughs> you know Coming like... to take my land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like the first four years, even though you said it was the dark book, right? yeah, yeah, I was a dark child. And I was like, this is where the real life happens. Even though there's Little House is pretty dark overall, considering yeah. what they go through. And I, I loved Little House in the Big Woods. My favorite scene is when Laura meets her cousin, who's also named Laura, <laughs> and they get into a fight because they they both have baby siblings and Laura is like Carrie is the most beautiful baby yeah. and, and the other, the other little girl like no that's not true our baby is the most beautiful I, I just like that she must have been that must have been like when she was four or five but yeah, I, just, yeah. I just like that sense of drama and, and family loyalty yeah. <laughs> shades of things to come Yeah.
0: <laughs> well yeah I'm, I'm saying yeah. By the Shores of Silver Lake and Little Town on the Prairie I know oh, yeah. I, oh yeah oh I love yeah. that one too yeah. especially because I think that's when Nellie Olson's bitchiness oh, yeah. I mean, is like in full force because she now comes, she's a teenager. She comes back. Yeah, she you know? comes back yeah. with a yeah. vengeance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of the ones I disliked the most, the first four years was really hard. I don't know if I disliked it, Yeah. but it was hard to get through because it does have such a different tone that I was yeah. very confused while I was reading it. I read it like way later after I read all the rest and mm-hmm. I kept asking myself, did Laura write this? Did someone else write this? Is this a ghostwriter? And that was distracting. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. they're not sure. I mean, it wasn't really meant to be one of the Little House books. Um, they, there's a theory that she actually sort of meant it to be an adult book. Oh. oh. And, um, but, you know, after after Rose died in the late 60s, the editor at Harper was like, oh, here's this manuscript. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK.
0: something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking that the long winter was a slog, but I hate winter, so maybe it had its intended effect. Yeah. Like, I felt the claustrophobia yeah. oh, right. yeah, yeah. as I read that book.
2: Yeah, is, is that the one where Almanzo and my Bay Cap Garland, <laughs> <laughs> save <laughs> the day with their sleigh ride to get supplies for the town? They go to get the seed wheat. That's yep. right. Yes. That's yeah. right. I mean, I'm going to post a picture of Cap Garland, like... He was hot. We should do a poll.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> yes. doing it. Who would you, yeah. Who would you rather? <laughs> yeah, right?
0: Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Do you have any other research
1: or book projects in the works? I have been working for a few years on a big project, and I don't really know quite what it's going to be yet, except that it deals with family history in some way. And so it's it's a weird kind of transition because I sort of went from... Looking at all these old pictures of like Ingles Wilder and the Ingles family, and also sort of realizing like I don't know all this stuff, you know, I don't know about my own family going mm. back. And then I actually then like two years later came across like a huge, huge stash of old family photos and papers and stuff, and no one else can organize it. Besides me, apparently, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it was all yeah. like it was all up to me, and so I've been sorting through all this stuff, and it's been kind of overwhelming. But also, I think there's there is a story about my family in there somewhere. Ooh. So, Ooh. So, Yay! Yeah. Yay. Uh, and
0: it's... where can people keep up with you in terms of social of the oh, social okay. media? Uh,
1: well, I have my Instagram <laughs> and. Let's see. I think probably the big central place is just wendymcclure.net, my my website. And I am trying to one of these days I'll update my Tumblr again, but you know, <laughs> but everything is on there. So, awesome.
2: <laughs> well, thank you. This has been my favorite interview
1: <laughs> so far.
0: I have never seen Kathy so happy, guys. <laughs> <sighs>
3: oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: No, this was awesome. Thank you so much yeah, for, yeah. for coming and sharing with us your experience and um and you too, Kathy, for telling us I about know, your side I know. I know. And, yeah. and I
2: don't think it's any I don't think it's any mistake in in fate that Wendy lives down the street from yeah. me. Like, <laughs> yeah. meant to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you like this episode and wanna hear more,
0: please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, and other places where podcasts are found. We're on Facebook, XXWillTravel, Twitter, and Instagram at XXWillTravel. And check out our website, xxwilltravel.com, for any updates, including sign-ups to our newsletter, which are full of travel tips and fun little tidbits from our own travels. Until then, go forth and travel. <music>